I've said it before uh, here in, 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 uh, you know, from this pulpit, and, and I'll say it again. You know, the Bible says that we worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. And don't you love how, like, well, normally we have Isaiah and Michelle up here, right? And, 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 the, and, and Isaiah's playing great, and Michelle's, you know, singing great, and, and, and you know, it's good like that. We, we enjoy, we love the, the, the live worship music. But, you know, it, we just listen to some recorded songs, and if you're in tune, and if you have discernment to sense the presence of the Lord, it didn't matter, right? Because worshiping is so much more than just a song. Worshiping is how we live our lives. It's how we treat our neighbors. What does the Word of God say? It says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? <laughs> your neighbor is any person you come in contact with. Because every human being is being created in, in the moral image and character of God and, and His desires for us to reflect the love and the light of Jesus Christ to all those around us. So I, I just love how you know, worship is not bound by whether someone's up here or not. Uh, worship's not bound by any of those circumstances. Worship is, is a mindset and, and a lifestyle and a heart that's bent with honoring the Lord in everything in you. Obviously, we're not going to be perfect this side of heaven, but the whole point is that we're growing and moving more and more towards being like Christ. It's a difficult thing. My son asked me last night, Dad, why is it so hard? <laughs> I said, son, because it's a fight. It's a fight. You have to fight upstream against the current and the nature of this fallen world to honor God. It's not just like this mamby-pamby, you're on some pillow floating through life. No, it's, it's a challenge. Jesus said so many times in the book of Revelation, those who overcome. <laughs> he said those who overcome because you have to overcome the vicissitudes of this life and the difficulties of this life and the challenges of this life. We are given the gift of salvation. Praise God for that. And we are eternally saved, but that doesn't keep us from going through circumstances in life and difficulties. So the Bible says clearly that He allows the rain to fall on the just and unjust. So just because you walk with the Lord doesn't mean you're exempt from the difficulties of life. But the main caveat is you're going to have the power through the unction of the Holy Spirit to get through it with flying colors. Amen? You're going to be able to deal with stage 4 cancer or a death in the family or being laid off from your job or not being able to pay the mortgage on your house or, or, or some kind of bad thing that's happened in your marriage or your children being rebellious because you have the Lord to rely upon. Those who trust in Jesus Christ get through far better or should than someone who's not living for the Lord. And you see, we have to understand it's not about church attendance. It's not even about calling yourself a Christian. Because so many people on that day, he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. So many people are, they say they live for God. And I'm, I'm not making a final judgment, but yes, trust me, I'm making a judgment. So many people say they follow after Christ. But what they're really following after in our country is the American dream. And they just keep God in there and compartmentalize him and say, you can come along with me. But I want the American dream. You know, the American dream is not what it once was. I'm grateful for this country. 
I'm grateful for all the freedoms we have. I'm grateful for all the people that laid down their life and sacrificed so much so that we could vote, so that we have the freedom of speech, so we have the ability to voice our opinions and agree or disagree regardless of where we sit. But the reality is, if you're looking at the world as it is truly, these things are being, these freedoms are being eroded from our country day by day. And it's so sad. So, at the end of the day, the whole point is, we are all in a position, in a predicament in humanity where there's been broken relationship between us and God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 to 10 says, The heart is deceitfully, is deceitfully above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. So, you know, it's basically saying that, yeah, our heart. People say, oh, I go by my emotions. Don't go by your emotions. Our emotions are sick. My emotions are up high one minute and then the next minute they're down. So I can't, I can't base my life on my emotions because they vacillate so, so frequently. And this is the predicament of humanity. Whether we believe it or not, <laughs> we've been created in such a way where we are, we are creatures of need. We are creatures of desire. And, and as I said a, a minute ago, only the Lord Jesus Christ can truly fulfill that God-shaped hole in your inner man, your inner woman, the inner person of who you are, your soul, right? So compartmentalized of a, 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 of a mind, that's our intellect, right? Our, our, our will, that's our drive to get things done. And just, I'm not going to give up, that's my will. And then my emotions are how I feel. Right? Whether I, I feel love and compassion and empathy for people or I'm enraged and angry. All those three things make up your soul. Right? It can't be led by your soul either. <laughs> because when we're soulless, it's like we're living for the things of this world. But, but our spirit has to witness the Holy Spirit. And in that, there's a revelation that occurs supernaturally. And then that's how we become able to come into agreement with God and have fellowship and relationship with him. You see, many people are, are so stuck in, if it doesn't fit in my box, then it can't be real. <laughs> like, I, I can't believe that there was a flood. I can't believe that there was a, 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 a that God came down as 100% God, 100% man, and hung himself on the tree and died for the sins of humanity. Some people just can't believe that. But that, those are supernatural things. Those are things that are outside of space and time. And just because we can't explain something doesn't mean that it's not possible or it did not happen. But praise God, aren't you so grateful that even though the predicament of our situation is <laughs> we're all messed up, there is forgiveness and there is hope. Because uh, John chapter 3, verse 3 says, God answered, this is speaking, he was speaking to Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a great teacher of, of the Jewish law back then, 2,000 years ago. And, and, and Jesus marveled at him. And he said, how are you a teacher of, of the Torah, but you don't understand these things? You must be born again. And, and Nicodemus said, well, I can't go back into my mother's stomach. And Jesus is trying to get the point across. It's a spiritual rebirth. It's a supernatural rebirth of your inner person. Because we know, look it, my beard is getting grayer every day. That means I'm dying every day. The nature of sin is it breeds death. And because of the curse of sin, we're all going to die unless, like Enoch, when we enter into the rapture, Jesus comes back and takes us up, then we'll be taken away. But if not, 
we're going to pass from this life to the next life. But it says in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answered him, speaking to Nicodemus, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So you see, there has to be a revelation of, you're God, I'm not, I need help, I need to humble myself before the mighty hand of God, I need to ask for forgiveness. The Bible says if you cry out to the Lord for salvation, He will come in. He, not, he stands and knocks at the door of every person's heart. He wants to come in and dine with you and I mean. He wants to have fellowship. He wants to have communion. And again, it's not about a church membership. <laughs> it, because it's not going to say, how many times did you go to that church? It's not what he's going to say when we have to go and meet him on the day of judgment. He's going to say, did you receive my son? As your only means of salvation. And after that, he's going to say, what did you do in my you see, so for those of us that have been walking with the Lord for many years, I pray that we've been opening our mouths and sharing through the love of Christ the abundance of joy that's found in Him. You don't have to Bible song. You don't have to smash on people with the word. That's, that's not right. That's legalistic and not to do that. But we are to share the love of Jesus. So you see, if we first haven't received His love, how can we then share with other people? And so this is just on my heart this morning to share before I try and get into our word this morning is that I want to encourage all of us today to keep him the number one hope in life. Allow Jesus to permeate the innermost part of your being. You see, many times we don't want to be that vulnerable. Because when we allow Jesus in, he says, this, that, that, the other, you need to stop this. <laughs> and we're like, I don't want to do that. Because he didn't say, I want 50% of you. I want 75% of you. I want 99.9% of you. He said, no, I want 100% of your life. Will you lay your life down for Christ today? See, many people think they're going to miss out on so much. I used to think that way. I'm going to miss out on so much being a Christian because it's all about rules. No, it's all about relationships. Those rules are set in place. The Ten Commandments, we all know, no one can keep not one of those Ten Commandments. That's why that's the Mosaic Covenant. But we have the New Covenant that Jesus fulfilled when he went to the cross, died, uh, laid his life down, went to the grave and resurrected. So now we have, we're saved by grace through faith. But, but these, these parameters that God sets up, like marriage being between people, one man and one woman, that are married and not boyfriend and girlfriend living together, is because he knows that there's so much bad that's going to come out of it. You see, look at our world today. Look at what's going on in Israel right now with Lebanon and Syria and, 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 and all these countries surrounding Israel. We know that it's been going on for centuries, but it's getting worse and worse and worse. And look at our own country, all the many things that are going on, from, from the, politi- the political things to the local things. I mean, my show's going crazy. We know that goes on in the East Bay all the time. I, I have a sister-in-law that, that lives kind of out that way, and so I know she knows how, how, how raw it gets, you know, after hours. Like, but, but there's so much that's going on. And, and, but what, what do we say? What does our society say? Oh, they have a, a, mental, a, a mental disability. Just, just give them another drug. Give them this. We put band-aids on open wounds. You see, church, there are spiritual implications to all the things we see going on. It's a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, the Bible says, but it's against spiritual principalities in heavenly places, spirits of darkness that we're combating against. 
the things going on where people are warring and using weapons, it starts in the heart. When our hearts aren't right, then we speak wrong words, words of anger, words of violence. And then when those things are not left, or those things are left unchecked, it moves into an action to where someone does something, like pulling a trigger. Or I just saw something on the news last night. Some 53-year-old man in San Francisco got almost beat to death with a lead pipe by some 24-year-old person that was homeless. Now, why did that 24-year-old person do that? It's more than a mental disability or him being having a hard time in life. There's spiritual implications. There's a demonic spirit that's gone unchecked. That person's either possessed by something or they're being influenced by a demonic spirit. And they're, they're allowing themselves to yield to these things. You see, church, we have to understand there is spiritual components to everything that goes on in life. It manifests itself in the physical and I truly believe, as I speak the Lord day after day, He's revealed to me that all of these bad, negative things that He continues to allow to happen in the world, whether they're abroad or right in your own family, are because He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get us to repent. He's trying to get us to come back to a place where we admit, you're the only one, Jesus, who can satisfy me. You're the only one that can fill the, fulfill the longings in my heart. We're trying to fill our hearts with all this junk. We live in an area where technology is king. We live in the mecca of technology, the Silicon Valley. I talk about this every week. Everything is I. iPhone, iPad, Instagram, instant gratification, Snapchat, TikTok. How many viewers do I have? How many followers do I have? Nobody's going to have more followers than Jesus Christ. Where does that come from? Where does that come from, the desire to be followed? To esteem oneself up. You see, we're not getting the love from the right places from Him. So we think if we amass people to follow us, we're going to be free. And I'm not bashing on people that do that stuff. It is what it is. If, if you want to be an influencer and that's the way you make a living, you know, hey, more power to you. But allow Jesus Christ to be the center of your life. And put out content that's going to be godly and wholesome. Not stuff that breathes death. Look at this generation that... What, what is the younger generation's inheriting? I mean, it grieves my heart so much to see all of the wickedness. It seems like it's going unabated. And, 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 and those of us that know the truth, we have to stand up against it. I'm not saying fight with people. I'm not saying get into arguments about politics or any of that. I'm saying live out the word. When you see someone in need, share love with them. Help them. We talked about it last week. Somebody's in line. Pay it back, man. Pay for their coffee. Tell them God bless you. Tell them may the Lord bless you. Why are we so scared to tell someone God bless you? Do we not want them to be blessed? Do we think God's only here to bless me and my family? No. He's here. Because we're here. Bless the lie because he's like, you're my hands and my feet. Some of you in this room are going to be the only Jesus that your family and loved ones and people you see on the street are ever going to see. And if we're not moved with compassion to say, man, I want to see that brother or that girl saved. And I don't want to see them in darkness. I don't want to see them struggle, lost in wickedness, lost in the things of this world, thinking that this life is all that it's about. If we don't stand in the gap, then who is? May we be moved by the power and authority and wisdom and might 
an unction of the Holy Spirit to do something. Amen? We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 5 this morning. I know it's not a traditional resurrection scripture. What the Lord had revealed to me as I was praying and, and asking Him, what do you want to share on this Resurrection Sunday? He showed me that the historical scripture is great. But what he wants us to understand today is the implication of the resurrection and what you and I have to look forward to as followers and believers in him. Because there's so much to look forward to. You don't have to live in doubt. You can be certain and secure that your salvation can never be shaken, can never be moved, can never be taken. And that's what these scriptures are all about. So I'm going to go ahead and pray. And then we'll, we'll read our text and then we'll get into the meat of our message. Abba God, thank you once again for this opportunity to just come before you. Lord, and see, speak your faith. We need you. Even if we don't realize we need you, we need you. Our, our soul cries out to you. Father, even, even the nature itself, your creation, this environment, the tsunamis, the earthquakes, all of these natural disasters, they call it global warming, but it's not necessarily global warming. <laughs> it's because nature is screaming, crying for you, waiting for your return. It understands that this is a broken place and it's becoming more broken and more polluted as these days go on. Father, you are the only source of light and hope in this world. It's either Christ or it's anti-Christ. It's either angelic or it's demonic. May we not be deceived by those who have clever speech and sprinkle a little bit of Bible on top of a whole lot of lies and deceive people. May we not be deceived by those who would not want to talk about sin and bring it up as if somehow we can sidestep the sin that separates us from you. But may we be truthful and transparent so that we can truly know you, and so that redemption can truly take place within our heart of hearts, that we could have the bread of life that you say we would have if we signed with you, that we would have the living water living within us that would bubble up and produce a, a, a harvest of so much that it could not be contained by human hands. Father, I pray that you would pour out your Spirit, not just upon America, but upon all the nations of this world, that as time is running short, that we would wake up before we do not have a chance to be woken up. Father, I pray that you would speak to us now through your word. It is your word. It is not my word. I pray that you would give the unction and the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon my life, that it would be your words coming through me and not my own ideas or opinions. I sense that your people would understand and help us to rightfully divide your word. Father, we thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen. Amen. Alright, so we are in, once, like I said, once again, First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. If you don't have the Bible or a mobile device that has the word, it's all good. It should be on the screen behind me or on two of those televisions. Um, if you can and you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's word. We'll read uh, the text and then we'll get into the message. Hear the word of God, church. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will remain forever. Starting in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. 
He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Amen? All right. You could be seated. You see, that's it right there. That's it in a nutshell. This is why we celebrate. This is the greatest love story of all humanity. Do you ever wonder why the Bible, the Holy Bible, is the greatest number one seller of all time? <laughs> it is. Worldwide. It's, it, it, has the, it has the most sales. Nothing, no other book, no other novel, no other great writer of any time period can compare with this holy book. The resurrection of Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ, the Messiah of Israel. This is what this book is all about. It's all about the redemption of humanity through the Lord God Almighty's Son, Jesus Christ. He laid down His life. You see, He laid it down. He, 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 they, they didn't kill Him. He allowed Himself to be laid down. He is the final Passover Lamb. If you know anything about uh, the account of Exodus and, and what happened before that, right? The Israelites were enslaved for 400 years. All of this horrible stuff went on in Egypt and northern Africa. And, 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 and you know, Pharaoh would not let the Israelites go. And so the final judgment was that the firstborn male of every family in Egypt was going to be killed as a judgment. But those who would take the spotless lamb, have it live with them for the period of time that was mentioned in the book of Deuteronomy, and then they would sacrifice the animal, eat, uh, drain the blood into a basin, eat the, the, the meat, and then spread the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their home, the angel of death would pass over them and they would be saved. Pass over Think about when you forward it to Jesus Christ. He died for the sins of the world, for your sins and my sins. And when we apply His blood, spiritually speaking, it's not this physical glory thing. We're not doing that. It's a supernatural thing. When you apply the work of Jesus to your life, the God of all creation will pass over your sins. And He doesn't see that. He sees the sacrifice of His Son. So you and I are now blameless in His sight. And you can have peace with Him. We, we must understand, because of sin, God is not just love. That is one attribute. That is a great attribute of His. But He's also a jealous God. And He's also a, a, a God of wrath. <laughs> and that wrath is righteous indignation. We deserve hell for our bent toward sin. But He desires a relationship, I don't know why, with us so much, and he says, you're, you're my crown creation. More than the earth that he created, more than the animals, more than the sea, more than all the beautiful things he says, you, you, you were fearfully knitted and created in your mother's womb in, in such a way that, that your heart beats and palp it doesn't palpitate and your, your, the neurons function in your brain to where 
it's just crazy the science that is behind how a human body works. But you're fearfully and wonderfully created. Why? Because he wants to have relationship with you. Because he loves so much that his desire was to create a being that he could share himself with. That's why nothing else will ever satisfy the longings of your heart and my heart than a right relationship with him. You see, him and you fit together like a hand in a glove. And all these other things, Satan, who disguises himself as an angel of light, what he does is tries to entice you and I to come into agreement and be persuaded to think that all these other things are going to fulfill. Nothing wrong with a new car. Nothing wrong with a new house. Nothing wrong with trying to take care of yourself and make sure yourself is healthy. Your physical body. But the whole thing is, those things don't fulfill you and I. Have you ever bought a new car and then, you know, I mean, what happens? Right when you drive it off the lot, what happens? It loses value. Just, just in the physical world, just in the world of economics, <laughs> you buy a brand new car and that thing loses value right away. And then by month three, you're not taking as good care of that car as you were, taking it to taking it to the car wash every week, going out there, cleaning the rims, making sure it smells good all the time, maybe some of us. But the reality is it loses its luster. Anyone who's ever been addicted to drugs or been an extreme alcoholic when they can't control it, when they've got to have a drink, they've got to have a drink before they do anything. Why do they do that? Because the high loses its luster, and you've got to smoke more weed, you've got to do more drugs, you've got to drink more alcohol to get that feeling back. Why? Because you're searching for a feeling that's going to fulfill you, but you can only find that feeling in Jesus Christ. Not in alcohol, not in drugs, not in booze, not in sex, not in making more money, not in having more friends. You need to have that one friend. That one friend that will never leave you, that will always be by your side, that will carry you through your darkest hours. That's what you and I need. That's why we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, so-called prophets in history have died before Jesus, but none has ever risen from the grave. This is the one major uncompromising truth of the Bible. No other faith group in history on the planet has an actual historical account of their supposed God, little G, dying and then raising themselves back from the dead. No one. When Buddha died, and I'm not bashing other religions, I'm telling straight truth. When Buddha died, he said, I don't have to figure out, go on with my teaching. Come on. Come on. Come on. These people that claim all of these prophets are still dead. Only Yeshua HaMashiach from Israel has raised from the dead. Why? Because there is only one true God. There is only one true God. That is the triune Godhead. God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the person of the Holy Spirit, the Rukadesh. This side of heaven, there is no way to fully understand this great mystery, but the Lord God Almighty gives us revelation of His nature and character by His mercy and His grace. I'll be the first one to tell you I don't have it all figured out. That's why it says by faith, you have to believe. If you don't even believe that God exists, then you already shot yourself in both feet. You've got no legs to stand on. 
You have to have a measure of faith to believe that there's something or someone outside of you that made you, that holds you correct and complete. Nobody asked to be in the culture that they were raised in. Nobody asked to be in the families that they were raised in. No one asked to look the way they look. Why? Because you didn't create yourself. Just like the creator of Jordan's shoes, this shoe can't tell me I want it to be like this. There was somebody with an intellect that said, I think this shoe is going to look good like this. I think it's going to perform this way. So when a basketball player wears it, it's going to keep his ankles cool, and he's going to allow him to go down the floor and do what he's got to do. Because it has a designer. We have a designer. You were not just made from some mush that just blew up and evolved. That's not valid. An atheist does not have a valid chance because an atheist says that God doesn't exist. But if an atheist was really true, then why would he even have to say that God doesn't exist? If he doesn't exist, then don't even say his name. You see what I'm saying? These things are very simple and, and, and elementary that a child can understand it. But we go around with such sophistication with our heads puffed up, thinking that we know it all. Because it fits in our little box to make us so comfortable. Jesus will make you so uncomfortable. That's his job. <laughs> because he's trying to rid out all of the filth and the yuck out of our hearts and replace it with the goodness and the purity of his character. It's like gold going through the refiner's fire. It has to go through the fire and the heat before it's pure and worth something. You and I must go through difficulties in this life because it's preparing us for eternity. As an athlete, Work hard and resistance training makes them stronger, makes them smarter, makes them more, them more on point so that when they get on the football field or the baseball field or the soccer field or, or the swimming pool, whatever they do, they're going to be at peak condition. The same thing spiritually happens to you and I. That's why the Lord allows difficult things to come into our lives. One, because it's a fallen world. Two, because he knows that it's through resistance that you and I will get to the next plateau and a deeper level of relationship and awareness and acknowledgement of who you It doesn't come any other way. I'm sorry, I wish I could preach another gospel. I can't. <laughs> this is all I see in the text. We have several main points, and the first one is this. Without God's great mercy, there will never be redemption for mankind. What is the definition of mercy? The defini definition of mercy is this. Compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. We must first understand that God has created human beings in his likeness. That's what the word of God says. He created us in his likeness. So you ever wonder, why am I am the way I am? He created you to be like him. He created you in his likeness so he could share himself with you and I. Again, I've talked about it already. This is why nothing else you and I ever desire will ever be able to satisfy that longing that's within us, that deep desire that we can't even explain. Have you done like everything you ever wanted to do and you're still like, <laughs> I go through that when I eat. I'm like, man, I have such a good meal. My wife's always telling me, you need to stop eating sweet. Because then I'm running immediately to get something sweet. Why? Because I thought I was satisfied, but then I'm, I'm trying to get something else. But, it, but it's something deeper than that. There's a desire that needs to be met that food can't meet. Only you can. Again, we were created with a desire to love Him. You see, that's why ever since the fall of humanity in the Garden of Eden, Eden excuse me, human beings have been under the curse of sin. At first, everything was grand, right? Everything was great. 
You know, if there would have never been no sin and the fall, then, you know, we would live forever. We would never die. We'd have imperishable bodies already now. We'd be naked and not be ashamed. We'd be a whole different thing. There would be no perversion. It wouldn't be a pervert. There wouldn't be any of that. There wouldn't be wrong thinking. But you see, they had perfect fellowship with Yahweh. But then, in the Lord's infinite wisdom, he understood that perfect and true love is a free will decision, not something that's forced, manipulated, or controlled. So he didn't make them as robots. He made Adam and Eve with a free will, because he wanted them to love him back. Have you ever been in a relationship where the, the other person didn't love you, and it was so hurt? There are a lot of relationships like that. Oh, buy me this. Buy me that. We call them sugar daddies and sugar moms. <laughs> they give you stuff, and so you're good with them. But, but, it, but it's not just a genuine, man, I love you. So, see, when people get married, <laughs> I love this. They say for better or for worse. Alistair Begg, he's a great pastor. He said, he said he's, the worst, he's the worst person to, to counsel uh, couples because someone will come in and he'll say like this. He said, uh, he said how's it going? And, and the person will say, for worse. And he says, well, you signed up for it. Get out. <laughs> that's the hey for better or for worse that's real right have we, we've heard stories where the one spouse ends up you know sick and ill and, and, and you know they, 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 they're, they're you know they're handicapped in some kind of way but that doesn't mean you leave them you know what does that does you leave your wife because she doesn't have the same figure she had before she had three four kids no do you leave your husband because his belly's kind of sagging now? I mean, you know, he, everything goes downhill, right? <laughs> At some point, we're not all going to be like this forever. But this is the whole idea. It's a free will that God wanted to give humanity because he wanted us to genuinely love him. Not be coerced into, if you do this, that, and other, you're going to go to hell. It's not about rules. Remember, the rules and regulations that are there are set up. It's like Highway 17. The boundaries are set in place so that you don't fly off the cliff going 75 miles per hour and kill yourself and kill other people. It's not to make you afraid and have a fear like you're going to get beat. It's to help you to live a healthy, good, righteous life. And that's why the rules and regulations are there in the Word of God. But you see people contort uh, and distort and don't have the right frame of reference and don't have the right context when they read the Word sometimes. And that's why people crash them off and start going crazy. But again, he gave them, Adam and Eve, clear instructions not to eat from the tree of good and evil because if they did eat of that tree, they would surely die. They had free reign of everything. You can have pomegranates. You can have watermelons. You can have carrots. You can have honeydew. You can have all these things. Just don't eat of that one tree. Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. So you're not hearing my words, you're hearing the word of God. And the Lord God commanded man, saying, You may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in that day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now they didn't die right away. It's a twofold death. It's a spiritual death, and it's a physical death. You see, if you look back in the Old Testament, people lived a long time. Because the gene pool was a lot sure, and people could live a lot longer. Like I said earlier, now the cap is 120. You're not living past 120. I don't care who you are. <laughs> You're not. Because that's what the Word of God says. You see, in their free will, Adam and Eve, they became deceived by Satan. They came into agreement with his suggestion, and that's how sin came into the world. 
Again, humans were created with an inner desire to be fulfilled. Yahweh created us to have our deepest desires fulfilled in Him alone. But because of sin, all humanity tries to fulfill this deep desire with the things of this world. But we're always left empty. So hear me now. I'm not saying don't enjoy, you know, you like going fishing, or you like the football game, or you like whatever it is you like. As long as it's something that, you know, you're not doing something that's, you know, an obvious, like, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing it. Like, I, I like shooting up drugs. I like catching. I like, I like getting oxycodone and chopping it up and shooting it in my veins. Thank you. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, don't allow the things that you enjoy to take precedence in your life and be the God that sits on the throne of your heart. When you do that now, you are into idolatry. And we don't want that. We want to be led by the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to be the one that is fulfilling the longing and the desires of our heart. You see, we, we were left empty and broken because of sin. But this is the good news. God Almighty, in all of His infinite deep wisdom, saw our pitiful, broken state, separated from Him because of sin. And since we exist outside of space and time, he knew that we were going to be led astray by sin. But because he desires to have an authentic relationship with us, this is why he sent his son Jesus Christ. To come to the earth, to live a perfect life. He never sinned, not once, not in thought, action, deed. Right? I mean, I can be up here and a demonic thought can pop in my head and I have to reduce Satan or myself. I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. But Jesus was perfect. He never sinned, not once. And he is the ransom, the only begotten Son of God the Father. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 19 tells us, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, that's your inner person, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I know that's a mouthful, but he that you and I have the opportunity to be fulfilled in Him. All the riches of Him can be in you if you just ask. <laughs> a lot of us don't receive because we don't ask or we ask amiss. We ask wrongly. Ask with the right motive and He will give you the desires of your heart. He will change the desires of your heart. To not be wicked, but to be in line with what he desires to do. And then we'll be truly fulfilled. The second main point is this. I don't even know if we're going to get through these points, but it's <laughs> the end of the message, but it's all good. Either way, the Lord is speaking through his word. The second main point is this. Believers are born again through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, I know this may seem elementary, and I know this may be reviewed for many of us, but you see, this is the thing. The cross, the resurrection to Jesus Christ, can never get old and fail to us. The Word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, sword excuse me, cutting to the heart and the marrow of every predicament will ever be. So if the Word of God and the message of the cross ever gets stale and old to us, so we think, I know that already, I don't need to hear that. 
That's your heart that needs to get right with the Lord. Because it should be fresh and new, and we should come to a new depth and reality of what this means to us every day we wake up. Every day I wake up, I'm humbled to the Lord for the Lord to show me, I'm speaking, I want to take you deeper. Don't ever think you know more than you do. Don't ever think you have me figured out. He lives outside of space and time. When I think of eternity, it hurts my brain because I cannot wrap my mind around the fact that it never ends. But it's so much more than just a timeline. Eternity is a state of being. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart as your Savior and your Lord, you get on that trajectory. You're there to have eternal life, even here now on earth. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1-3, through three, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Again, this is the disposition of being born into this world. I mean, we didn't even have a choice. <laughs> you could say it's not fair. It is what it is. It's because of the fallen nature of, 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 of us, of our ancestors. Of, we all come from Adam and Eve. We came from that line. And because they sinned, we sinned. It doesn't matter if you were born back then. You would have sinned too. You would not have chosen the right way. Because it's in our free will to, to choose something else. To think that the what does the world say? The grass is being on the other side, right? There's some validity to that. We always think, we tend to think it's always going to be better somewhere else, or it's always going to be better with someone else. Not necessarily. Be content with where the Lord has you, amen? Born from our mother's womb, we are born of the flesh. You see, it is only through the rebirth that Jesus Christ offers through his resurrection from the dead that people can be supernaturally saved. You see, sin has caused all of humanity to be at odds with God the Father because he alone is holy, meaning he is set apart. We, by our nature, are sinful. We are children of wrath, bent with every inclination to follow after the flesh and its desires in everything we do. Think about it. From when a baby, I've had two children with my wife. From the minute they were born, they desired their mother's milk. There was already a desire there. It's not as they came out like boss babies. <laughs> with a briefcase and, and they're ready to go to work. They're trying to get the ESCO done. No. They were craving their mother's milk. And they were, they were craving comfort from her. Why? Because there's a built-in desire that needed to be met. You see... As we get older, we start desiring toys and different hobbies and things we get into. Nonetheless, our desires change. And as adults, we get into different desires. Many of us, we desire more money, new clothes, bigger houses, any form of gratification. But again, I'm driving home this point. Apart from Jesus, we are all striving to fulfill natural desires. These natural desires are of the world. It takes a supernatural rebirth in our inner person to truly become alive in the Spirit and learn to live in contentment. To be content, to be fulfilled without needing this and needing that, but needing more of Him, speaking of Jesus. This is the work of God alone in every believer, believer's life. 
John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered him again. Uh, I said it earlier. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there has to be a rebirth. There has to be that. And it's not raising your hand in a church service. That's cool, but it's an it's a inward dwelling of you recognizing the Holy Spirit and recognizing and being convicted and you responding to that conviction by saying, Lord, be my Savior. And that's something that nobody can experience for you. No pastor's child, no pastor can live it out for their child, no believer can live it out for their child. Every single one of us has to have that personal encounter with Jesus on our own. No priest can save you, no holy water can save you, no crucifix can save you, no, no crusade to, to Rome can save you. I'm not bashing Catholics at all, I'm just saying. None of that stuff can save you. Okay? It's just having a personal relationship. And from that, you will see healthy spiritual fruit develop in your life, and you'll know, because you'll have the peace of God which passes all understanding. That is the truth. That is the truth. The third main point is this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this is the good stuff, right? It's always bad. i got to tell you the bad news first, <laughs> so then you understand why you should be so joyful about the good news. That's what the gospel means, Right? You have to know the bad person. Who would like to go to a doctor where they see cancer in your body and he's like, it's benign, it's all good, you're fine, we'll just give you some pills and you know, put a band-aid on it. No, you want the doctor to give it to me straight. Let me know what I'm dealing with. So now you can administer to me what, what I need to do so I can get better. But see, that's what we're doing here spiritually. I'm telling you what the bad news is, but here is the good news. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. I'll just tell you this real quick. It's a funny story. For the life of me and my wife, we couldn't figure out why the last few weeks, how did our refrigerator smell? It's like, smells like smelling here, man. Is it produce? I don't know. It's just throwing out all kinds of stuff. I got a bunch of beer pots in there. And I got them in these baggies, and they got, like, natural stuff in them. They got avocado oil, this and that. I didn't think nothing of it. Come to find out, because once I put all these beer products in, like, a, like a, like a, you know, like a sealer bag, it doesn't smell no more. <laughs> it was the product. It's all the products I'm putting on my face. But I just, I, I, I thought that was funny, because, because the word here says that our inheritance in Christ is imperishable. It's not going to rot like my beard products. You know, I thought, you know, because it gets hot, those things, they melt. The beard butter, the beard wax, or all that. But, 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 our, but our salvation is not going to perish. It's going to be imperishable. It's going to be undefiled. And it's going to be unfading. All true followers of Jesus Christ have this inheritance. It's your gift. It's your gift. How can it be an inheritance? Because Christ... In Christ, we have become heirs of God's endless fortune. Do you, do, you, do, you, do you understand the magnitude of that? You are brought in. You are an heir. You reign with Christ. We deserve death and hell, but he says, no, just receive me, and I, you, you will be with me. You'll be in my bosom. I want to be in the bosom of the Father. That's what I desire to be. I desire that so much because I know that's my only hope. How can we possibly be heirs of God? Because in Christ, we have become God's own children. This is incredible. 
we have been literally drafted into the true vine, especially as Gentiles. We know that Israel is God's chosen people, not because they're better than anybody, but because he chose to make a show of the, his relationship with them to show the world this is how relationship will need to be. But we still need to pray for Israel because many of them have not received Yeshua. They only receive the five books of the Old Testament. They look at Moses. They say, this man should not be our Messiah because he went and died on the cross. And our Messiah is going to be a conquering king that's going to come through and obliterate everybody. Get rid of Rome, get rid of all our enemies. So they, they need this. And we see it now. I'm telling you, you look at the news and you see what's going on over there. They're killing all these people, man, during Passover. It's crazy, man. It's supposed to be peace. And there's no peace. There's death. There's blood. There's gore. Little young kids, little girls, little boys getting killed, man. They didn't even reach the age of accountability. They shouldn't be dying. But yet because men and women are bent on doing what they want to do, and again, like I said, they're being led by demonic spirits. They're doing all kinds of false things, horrible things. And it happens every day in the world. And that's why you can only have hope in God. <laughs> or else you're going to drive yourself mad. I don't watch, I hate watching the news because there's nothing but sickness on the news. They, they, they literally just tell you nothing but death all the time. I didn't see the news recently, but Lisa said they talk about Jesus a lot on the news, so praise God for that. I wouldn't know that. But I, 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 I watch the news, man, because it's depressing. It's depressing. You know, it's so hard to deal with these things. But when you have Jesus, you can look to him and he can fulfill you and tell you, you know what, despite all this, you see, keep your eyes fixed on me with all the news. Don't look to the right, don't look to the left. Don't look up, don't look down, because you look at me. <laughs> keep your eyes fixed on Christ, folks. You see, in Romans chapter 5, verses uh, 15 and 16, Paul said that we have received the spirit of adoption. That we cry out, Abba, Father. Abba is a term, is a Jewish term that literally means daddy. It means daddy. He doesn't want you to come and have oh, Father, God. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying, you don't got to come in this super get-up. He just said, man, call me daddy, man. By how you, if you had any loving person that guided you in your life. It's a relationship like that. It's an intimate, pure thing. It's something that, you know, you just have to let it go and be real with him. That's what he wants. Not this religious get-up. It's not that. It's a reflection of the warmth and closeness that we have with God the Father. It's this spirit that makes us heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ himself. You see, the Christians Peter was writing to here were experiencing heavy persecution for their faith in Christ. They were suffering. And the reality is we all suffer. Everyone in this world goes through suffering. One of the ways that we suffer is that we have little value in this world. Just think about it. What do we really have? You may have something that you've earned by working. My, my stepdad was 70, maybe 72 or 72 years old. I think he's going to retire at the end of this year. He's worked since he's 15 years old. You know? What does he have to show for? He, I mean, they're going to pay off their mortgage for, you know, the, 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 the home that they, they have, the little, the mobile home, but it's like, he's worked all his life. You may get some inheritance from your parents or your grandparents, but that can easily be lost and taken away. The government can cease to back the dollar bill. I mean, they're already on the way to creating a one-world, uh, you know, uh, money, where it's just going to be, you know, on the computer. No longer going to be paper. I don't know how long it's going to take, but trust me, they are doing that. That is part of the one world government merging because they want to have control. Speaking of the world government. You see, but as children of God, our inheritance can never be lost. This is ours now and forever. It's imperishable. It can't die. 
It's undefiled. It cannot be corrupted and broken. It's unfading. It never loses its value. Our forever inheritance of limitless worth is being kept right this minute in heaven for all of us. All because of Jesus Christ's great love for us, the fact that he laid his life down and he resurrected. Amen? I'm going to do my best to get through these verses. That was just an intro. <laughs> hey, but you know what? I'm, gonna keep, I'm just going to keep it real. We, we, we have to know the depth of what's going on. We don't do cookie-cutter messages in this church because you can never exhaust the Word of God. The little hour and a half, two hours we spend, that doesn't even do justice to who God is. You know, that's why I tell Michelle all the time, I don't care if y'all do five, six songs. Just go into a time of worshiping the Lord. We're not into this man-made Gotta be this way. I'm sorry, I know I get it, respect people's time. But when the Holy Spirit is moving, if He really is the God of all creation, don't we owe Him that to really give Him time and care from Him and not put a boundary on Him? This is not a happy meal message. This is not a happy meal service. This is not a, a McDonald's happy meal faith. This is God that we're talking about. This is the inherent Word of God that people will say it was written by man. No, it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, written by men. And that's why we allow him to have his free will in how he chooses to do it. We're not a southern church. I'm not going to say, take a break, go, go downstairs, eat, and then come back. Because some churches do that. And they don't get out of service until like 4 o'clock. No, we're not doing that. You're going to get out around 12 o'clock. Trust me. I'm just saying. All right. Let's go. Three through five. Blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, and he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Make it personal. It's for you. Who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be received, uh, excuse me, revealed for, in the last time. Okay. Blessed be the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, when Peter considered this salvation of God, his immediate response was simply to surprise him. He said, thank you. Thank you so much that you gave me this. I don't deserve it, but I will take it gladly. This is especially true because the motive of God's work is found in him, not in us. You see, that's why I tell you every week, study the scripture for yourself. Make sure what I'm telling you lines up with the word of God. Do not be deceived. Do not let anyone deceive you. Do not let any unseen spirit deceive you into thinking something that's not true. And if you're not in God's word, you're not going to be able to test the spirit to know, okay, this lines up with the Holy Spirit, or no, I'm going to stay away from that. Salvation is his gift alone to offer. Psalm chapter 62, verses 1 through 2 tell us, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And I'm sure that was King David who penned that. But he says, God is my salvation. God is my rock. He is my fortress. He's the one I run to. He is my defender. He's the one that goes to bat for me. When all hell is breaking loose around you, he's the one that's going to see you through. You see, salvation is deliverance from danger or suffering. That's what it means. To save is to deliver or protect. 
this world carries out the idea of victory, health, or preserving, preservation. So, you could say that followers of Jesus Christ are delivered from the dangers and sufferings of this world and of hell. We are being set apart for His eternal glory. That Christ's salvation delivers us from the wages of sin, which is death, and protects us from the second death. You know, for some of us, we are going to have to experience the first death, but it's like going to sleep. You know, we haven't experienced it. I can't say, I can tell you, I know how it feels, and I'm still here alive. But what the Bible says, the same thing. Going to sleep, and you're going to wake up again, and you're going to be in all the grandeur and splendor and glory of God, and you're going to be at peace. No more tears, no more fears, no more depression, no more anxiety. All those things are unclean spirits, by the way. Fear is an unclean spirit, a demonic spirit. Anxiety is a demonic spirit. That's what I'm saying. I get some people got to take medicine for, you know, certain things, but to just across the board say, we just got to give drugs to everybody because that's what's going to make it. No, it's not. These are demonic spirits that are intruding into people's lives, and a drug's not going to help. These things need to be cast out in the name of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 tells us, For the wages of sin is death, but... The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, only God can remove sin and deliver us from sin's penalty. Titus chapter 3 verse 5 tells us, He saved us not because of work done by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewed re- renewal of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand that without the atonement of innocent blood, Dead, there can be no forgiveness of sin. I didn't make it up. This is what the Bible says. This is how God means it. The definition of atonement is this. Reparation for a wrong or injury. That's why Jesus died upon the cross. Leviticus chapter 17 verse 11 tells us, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your soul. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. The application is this. God has made a specific way for us to come to Him. We can't just come to the Almighty God any way we choose. Some people just say, I'm spiritual. Some people say, I'm not religious. I'm glad you're not religious. I hate religion. Religion kills. It's about relationship. Okay? But we can't just come all willy-nilly to God. There has to be a reverence. There has to be a reverent respect. There has to be a reverent fear of God. Not like fear like you're going to kill me, but a reverent respect that we know and fear him because he's all God Almighty. Look in the Old Testament. Anytime he revealed himself to people, they fell flat on their face in honor and respect for him. What did he tell Moses? Take off your shoes, Moses. Take off your sandals. You're on holy ground, man. We don't just come in, oh yeah, I'm going to just do whatever I want. Chewing gum, blowing bubbles. No. Have a respect. I mean, some young people don't even respect their parents. Popping off at the lips. You know, we lost that. There's a generation that you can people you just say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, open the door for people. Now we got young kids, they talk and flippantly cussing at their parents, telling them what they want, when they want it, how they want it. Do not let your children talk back to you. Do not. My children try to talk back to me, they do talk back to me and they get it. <laughs> they get it in love, but they get it. I'm not letting them disrespect me or my wife. There has to be order. There has to be a line of demarcation. You're not their friend, you're their parent. That's 
So we have all these problems. These guys get raise their kids and do whatever they want, man. <laughs> John 14, chapter 6 tells us, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. No one can come. Again, we didn't make this up. This is what it is. And this is where it gets difficult for a lot of people to say, oh, this is, you know, I respect everyone's choice to choose what they want. But there's only one truth. There can only be one truth. We can't all be right. And people say, oh, you're such a bigot. Because you think that these other people, you're telling me the Muslims are going to go to hell. If they don't accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah, yes, they will. If you trace the line of the Muslims, you know what happened. What happened? <laughs> Abram slept with Haggai instead of doing what the Lord said and be with Sarah, Hagar, excuse me. And, and what happened? Ishmael was born. It's all good. Daniel knows the stuff. That's, we need that. That's how you know he's in the Word. And what happened? Ishmael was born. The line of the Muslims comes from Ishmael. They were still blessed, but best believe Jesus, or the Lord wants them to repent and turn to Him. The chosen seed was There's a reason for that. You see, once someone is saved, they pass from spiritual death to spiritual life in Christ alone. You are no longer guilty before the Lord. You will no longer be in danger of receiving His wrath and the just punishment for your sins. Somebody needs to say, praise God. <laughs> because, because that's what it is. You're freed from it. You're freed from the despair. You're freed from the dread. You, you can come boldly into the throne room of God. That's why the veil was torn. It's not religion. You don't have to go to some priest in a dark room. I'm not fasting on Catholics. I'm just saying it. You don't have to go to some dark room and tell some person you don't even know about your sins. You go straight through them in your own room. And say, Father God, forgive me, I'm a wretched sinner. Help me, save my soul, make me right. Give me your power and your strength. I claim your victory in Jesus Christ's name. You have access. Don't let them deceive you because they want to control. In Christ alone we are victorious. We become spiritually healthy and our inner person is renewed and preserved. And all of this is according to His abundant mercy. The application is this. All of His goodness is because of His mercy. No other attribute could have helped us had there been no mercy. We by nature are condemned by His justice and His holiness frowns upon our sinful state. All of His power would crush us and annihilate us by cockroaches. Like Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank. Person like a cockroach as you are. But praise God, because of his tender mercies, that all of our hopes begin with him. You see, without the Lord Almighty's mercy, there would be no salvation to receive. And because of this, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We see that the resurrection of Christ is at the heart of how sinners are saved. You're not saved by good works. You're not saved by feeding the poor. That's a good thing. You're not saved by, by giving a tithe or an offering. You're not saved by coming to this church every Sunday. You know, that's not, that's not salvation. You're saved by the work of Christ. It's not by work. It's not by keeping the law. It's by His shed blood upon the cross and His supernatural resurrection that sinners are saved. It's vital for us to understand 
that many people back then were crucified by the Romans. It was a horrible sin. It was so horrible that the Romans wouldn't even crucify their own criminals that were Roman citizens. You could be a horrible person, raping, murdering, killing, plunging, and they would not crucify their own citizens because it was such a horrible death. But what makes the Jesus Christ's crucifixion so significant is one, he was innocent, and two, he rose from the dead. All in all of human history, no other so-called God or Savior has ever died for the sins of humanity and risen from the dead. No other world religion says that their God died for the sins of the world. They're like, no, if you're a Muslim, you have to go to Mecca, you have to make that trip, and after all your years of living, you still may not know if you did enough good to go to heaven. What kind of religion is that to follow? I don't want to put my hope in that. I don't want to put my hope in that. The people who don't believe in God just say, live your best life now, because there's nothing else after this. What kind of life is that to live? So I've got to live my best life now. I've got to get everything now. Not all of us can be rich. Not all of us can look so pretty and be so strong and, and have so much fortune and fame. So what is that? What does that leave all the rest of us that are working hard for peanuts? Does that mean we're not living our best life now and that I, when I die, that's it? I go into oblivion? This is what makes the claims of the Bible so important. Even non-spiritual secular history has an account of Jesus from Nazareth, dying from crucifixion, and three days later, the tomb being empty. The Jewish and Roman historians in the history books testify to this truth. The Word of God defends itself. I don't have to sit up here defending the Word of God. It speaks for itself. If you don't believe it, try it and see how it speaks to you. Some skeptics still claim that the disciples took the body. They took the body, they took the body. Okay, super big stone that's like, I don't know how many tons. You're telling me that, and, and this is the thing that gets me. The, 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 the historians say it was either 12 to 60 Roman soldiers that were watching and guarding the tomb. Think about this. These were hardened men that killed all the time. Killed. They would kill, they would pop people on the head for looking at them wrong. You're telling me this would have been the easiest job for them. Okay, what you gotta do is stand in front of this, this, this cave and make sure this dead body doesn't get out. Like, oh, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, you're telling me their claim was they all fell asleep. Read it for yourself. They all fell asleep. Even if it was just 12. 12 to 60, but 12, say 12. Okay, 12 men all fell asleep, and 12 raggedy old disciples came in, and they, they, they moved that stone, and then they took the body, got rid of the body, and, and then they folded up all, all of the, the cloth and everything perfectly. Come on, you're sensible, people. Think it out for this. And nobody woke up? Give me a break. And then they said, well, the Jewish leaders took the body. Think about this one. The Jewish leaders didn't want the people to believe that Jesus was real. They, the Jewish religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, well, the Sadducees wouldn't take it, but if the Pharisees took the body, they would take the body and drag it in the middle of Jerusalem and say, look, that's the man who said he's the Messiah. See, clearly he's not the Messiah because he's not risen from the dead. His body's right there. You don't have to be the sharpest knife in the drawer to see the fallacies in all of these claims. 
None of that happens. These verses point clearly to the power and authority of Yeshua the Christ alone. John chapter 10, verse 11 through 18. I'll be wrapping it up soon. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. That's speaking of believers. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. This is speaking of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. He's speaking of, that's the Gentiles. He's speaking of the others are the Jews. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. The application is simply this. It is only through the resurrection of Jesus Christ the Messiah that anyone can be saved. And when we are saved, we are made new creations. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 17-19 tell us this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, anyone, I don't care what your culture is, I don't care what your nationality is, I don't care what your background is, I don't care if you are in the penitentiary, I don't care, if, you know, I don't care. I don't care if, if you're on, you know, EBD car or whatever it is. I don't care if you're, you know, Bill Gates millionaire. Anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting them to us, the message of reconciliation. See, this is not, this is not, um, I'm not trying to pump you up, you know. This is not a motivational speech. This is the word of God. This is for you. This is available to you as long as you want it. Those who will go to hell will go to hell of their own volition because they said, I'm good. I hear what you're saying, but I'm good. I'm going to go my own way. I'll, I'll try it on my own. Good luck. Good luck. Because it's here for you and I. Don't be someone who denies the truth and then he's going to deny you before the Father when you die. Don't be that foolish person. Don't think you got it so together that you can get out of this world without being right with Jesus Christ. You can't and make it to eternity in peace and joy and love and happiness. It won't happen. But we are given this living hope. Again, this is the good news. We are born again to a living hope because we have eternal life in a Savior who has conquered death himself. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. This hope lives because it is set upon an inheritance that's incorruptible and it can never fade away. It's reserved in heaven for all those who receive him humbly. I don't care what age you are. You can be three years old. You can be 32 years old. You can be 93 years old. When you hear the Lord's voice, do not harden your heart. Amen? Because this is the significant difference between an inheritance of this earth. It's also called a living hope because it's imperishable. Again, 
Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Think about it. The hopes of the rich and the boasts of the proud, all these things will die out. You can't have Elon Musk money. But when it comes to the end of your life, you're going to die and you're going to leave it to someone else. As the saying goes, there's no U-Haul attached to a hearse. So you can have all the money in the world, but it doesn't matter. What is it going to do you when you die? What is, what is it going to do when you die? You have to have a right relationship with the only true living God. And if you have that right relationship, and it's simply just accepting Him. It's not about it's not about making yourself right in His sight. You can't. I can't. It's just receiving it like a child. My son, my daughter will receive it from their grandparents. They receive gifts all the time, willingly, happily, sharingly. They give it. They just receive it. That's all you and I have to do. Just receive it. It's, it's supernatural. It's not of this world. It's outside of the box. Yet we can know our inheritance can't perish and it won't spoil. It can't fade away. Psalm 16, verse 5 through 6 tells us, The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. You see, I'll end, I'll end with this, this, these last few statements. Since God himself gives himself to us now, our inheritance begins now. But remember, we cannot experience this inheritance unless we are born again. You don't have a right to it unless you give over your life to him. But if you give over your life to him, it's all yours in Christ. You see, unregenerated man does not have the capacity to enjoy this inheritance. It would be like rewarding a blind man and saying, come here, let's drive on the, on the Highway 1. Come see the beautiful coastline of California. He's blind. He can't see it. What, what are you thinking? That's the same thing we're talking about here. And we shouldn't always speak about the agonies of hell for the unbelievers. But you don't want to miss out on all of the goodness and the joy that's going to be yours, that could be yours now. Like I said, we're all going through such difficult things in this life. Don't you want to be anchored upon the rock that can get you through it to where you don't despair when bad things happen? Bad things happen every day to everyday people. And the only ones that get through it with flying colors are those that have a hope and a faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone else is just sitting their teeth and going by the uh, lace up my bootstrap. I'm just going to go hard. At some point, you're going to burn out. <laughs> and when you burn out, what's going to happen? You're going to fall apart and you're going to fall flat on your face. But for those who trust in Christ, we will mount <laughs> wings like eagles and we won't grow weary, we won't grow faint. If there's anything you take away from this message today, know that Jesus Christ died and resurrected because he died. Amen? Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I, I, I just, I just, words can't even describe the gratitude. Words shouldn't describe, Lord. You know our hearts. You know the things that we're dealing with. You know the things that we're struggling with. You know the things that, that we want to tell you that we just, we just we can't even muster up the courage to tell you. But Father, I pray that you would search our hearts and through your supernatural love, you would break the walls of shame and that you would bring your children back to you. There is a remnant. Father, I pray that every person under the sound of my voice right now, Father, that they would respond to the call upon their lives. 
Father, that they would be part of the remnant, that their names would be written in the Lamb's book of life, and that they would not have to fear. Father, I curse the spirit of fear. I curse the spirit of anxiety. I curse the spirit of uncleanliness. Or may they not never have reign in the lives of your people. May we know that we have the truth in us. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. Father, may we never forget that you've given us every heavenly blessing already. You and I, we just have to claim it. So, Father, please give us clarity of mind. Give us a sound spirit and heart that we will be able to do these things. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.